Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Crossing the Chasm. I'm Charlie Rauer here with Scott Reckler. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. So we're at the end of 2023, and the market seems to be not responding to the economy. The economy seems to be in a situation that's supposed to be heading towards a recession, and the market seems to be exploding. The Dow's up 20% since July, NASDAQ's up, I think, almost 40%. Like, what's happening? What do you see in the market, and how is it responding to the overall economy, and where do you think the market is going in 2024? You know, it's an interesting market, and you know, I have my own personal perspective. And it's it's in this time of year, you're going to hear a lot of the pundits come out with their predictions, right? And to your point, we've not only seen record stock markets, but we've seen you know a, a bull market in bonds that we haven't seen in 40 years, right? So, and so, what I think is is happening is the the market it has a hope that we're we're now ending the interest rate rise, which I think is is true, which that we've been living with the Fed in terms of the short term rates. And from there, are hoping that leads to a soft landing. And I guess, you know, my own personal perspective is this is a bit of a head fake and that mm. I think the Federal Reserve and the chairman has been pretty clear that they're going to keep interest rates higher for longer. And so even though they may not raise them again, they're still restrictive in terms of the economy. They're still weighing down the economy. And as that, as that starts to happen, eventually that's going to create some level of economic downturns and recession. I mean, if you look with the, when we talk about the yield curve, right, the short-term rates mm-hmm. being higher than the long-term rates, that historically has been an indicator of a recession that's pending. And we're now something like at over 280 days uh, where that inverted yield curve has been in place, which is a record. And so I think it's just a matter of time before that weight of higher interest rates weighs down the economy. Mm-hmm. But the, the nuance here is, I, while we may have, an, we're going to have an economic recession. It's the question is how long, how deep, how broad, and I think one of the the things with this economic downturn is it's going to affect different people, different industries, different parts of geographies unevenly. So mm-hmm. that if you look at the averages and look at the the macro numbers of what the headline GDP is or the headline CPI is, that will have one message. But when you look through those numbers you're going to see certain segments of the economy having harder times. For example, the housing markets right now in a recession, right? The commercial real estate markets in a recession. The manufacturing sector is in a recession mm-hmm. today. They're in recessions today. Mm-hmm. You got to look through the numbers, say, where are they? And you know, if you look at lower income cohort, small businesses, right? They haven't had the benefit to lock in long-term rates when they were at these you know historically low levels and so now their credit card rates are 20 22% their you know small loans are up in the you know double digits for small businesses because they're floating rate loans people who weren't able to lock in to buy a home with a mortgage at a low rate today can't afford to buy a home today right mm-hmm. and so they're paying higher rents and so that's eating a higher portion of their disposable income mm-hmm. and so it's going to be an uneven period of time and i think as you get through 24 you know, though, as, as we're going into this, I think there'll be a reset back where people realize that they got you know ahead of themselves in terms of where the economy is going to be, mm-hmm. and we'll start seeing markets correct, and uh, the ten-year going back up closer to five percent, and the S and P and others adjusting down. I also would say that this is, you know, this concept of, of higher rates for longer, taking away again. The short-term rates, which the Fed has the ability to influence, but when you think the ten-year, which is the longer-term rate, which is the market's influence, right? And I think you know there we're in a, a period 
where inflation is going to be higher for longer because mm -hmm. growth is going to be higher because mm -hmm. employment's going to be tighter, right? We've talked about deglobalization, the whole digital transformation. Today, the buildup of defense uh, that's going to be needed because of what's happening around the world mm -hmm. in the Mideast and in, in Europe, but the, you know, the, the, the home shoring of our supply chains, all these things are taking place, which is going to result in a higher level of demand, which means you're going to have higher normalized inflation, which mm -hmm. means you're going to have higher normalized rates. Mm -hmm. And how does that play out, I guess, here in RxR in terms of how we are predicting or anticipating Q1, Q2 of next year? Yeah, so, so I think you know, we're the, we've gone through almost two decades of easy money. Right. And people were able to invest easy money by borrowing cheap and lending for a little bit more or investing for a little bit more and spread investing. The reality in the market where we are now at higher rates, it's going to really be incumbent to generate returns by being a value creator. Mm -hmm. You actually have to create the value. You just can't rely on you know, riding the waves of those, that, mm -hmm. that cheap money. And you know, where we at RxR, that's what we do for a living, right? We focus on finding ways where we can create value, finding ways where we can manufacture opportunities to invest in places that are complex, that need our skill sets to be brought mm -hmm. forth to create ultimately a higher return and generate higher growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the advantage that we have as a firm is being that fully integrated firm with 450 people with so many different disciplines, so many different areas of expertise and insights that enable us to create that type of value. Yeah, and, and as you're looking into the, in, I guess, the next phase, as the market corrects, that's going to be the significant difference. It's not necessarily whether or not you could rely on those on those easy money days to be able to get the value, but really, and you had said this earlier in your podcast, to really push oneself individually, collectively, and as a company to be able to find a way to create value because the market's not going to give you the value and the days of easy money is over. That's right. And I think, you know, with that as well is, we're not just making macro bets, right? Mm -hmm. You really want to be, you need to dig deeper into mm -hmm. where are the the opportunities, you know? And again, not all office buildings are going to recover. As I said, so almost we need to be, like take a stock picker approach, which are the ones are going to be successful, mm -hmm. right? In, in, when you look at multifamily in different markets around the country, where there was a lot of overbuilding, you know, yes, there's an, a macro supply issue, but some markets are going to recover and some product types are going to recover at a much more faster pace than others. And so I think it's also incumbent to do the research to really understand what's happening on the ground, what are the fundamentals, and you know, not just assume you're gonna make macro bets on sectors or strategies and think that's gonna be successful. So generally, you know, as you look at the 2024, an individual should, I'm hearing from you, double down on their own ability to specialize, have expertise, look at something from a micro perspective, see where value could be created within what they're working on versus relying on a larger economy to sort of, you know, increase the tide for them. Right, that's right. Exactly. And it's really hone what is your competitive advantage, yeah. right? What is that competitive advantage that we have that's distinctive and you as an individual that's distinctive and hone that, right? And then sharpen your skills Again, to look beyond the averages, look beyond the headline numbers to understand what are those numbers telling you? What are we seeing in, you know, that, that's driving the potential for growth and potential for risk so that you're able to adjust appropriately as, a, as an investor 
and as an operator, right? What are we seeing the trends of our customers, their needs and their desires changing in this environment? And how do we adjust our product to meet those needs for those customers? And then I think, you know, in a, in a world where everything is digital, the more physical you can merge with that digital, that digital approach to mm-hmm. things, the more effective we're going to be. The more there's a sense of community, there's more of a sense of being connected uh, to your customer and your customer connected to you or to the people mm-hmm. that uh, they engage with as, that in, in your firm, you know, th- that is a competitive advantage that other people don't have, right? That is a bond that uh, is not something that uh, you can just, uh, you know, turn on and turn off. People feel these bonds are a little bit more priceless mm-hmm. than what, uh, you know, a couple of cents of rent might be here or there. Wow. Scott, thanks so much. We Happy New Year. Wish you a great end of 23 and a beginning and a great 2040. Thanks, Charlie. Looking forward to re-engaging in the new year. Thank you.